Welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Daily Podcast. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside Joe Sirocco at Stoll underscore P at Joe Antonio C and at Italian FD is how you can reach us. It has been quite a week in Italian football. Big matches over the weekend, including Juventus' last-minute winner over Lazio and Roma's dominant win over Napoli 4-2. Then, to the European competitions, Juventus into the quarterfinals in the Champions League with an absolutely clutch win over Tottenham Hotspur, while Milan gets served a... uh, keeping plate of humble pie with a uh, 2-0 loss at home by Arsenal. Plus, this weekend, Inter host Napoli. Then, Roma get to try and overcome a 2-1 deficit to Shakhtar Donetsk at the Olympico to book their own tickets into the quarterfinals. A lot to get to, as usual. But first, a bit of sad news. Davide Astori, the captain of Fiorentina, tragically passed away on Sunday due to cardiac arrest. His teammates found him in his room when he did not report to the team breakfast in the morning. Very sad. By all accounts, he was a great guy. Uh, He leaves behind a wife and a daughter. He will be very much missed. There have been tributes uh, before all the European competitions this week uh, with a minute of silence. There have been tributes from players. Again, by all accounts, a great guy. Uh, he'll be very much missed. He already is. And, of course, we at Italian Football Daily send our condolences to uh, his family, his team, uh, Italian national team players who knew him, anyone, friends, family, etc., and everyone affected by his sudden and tragic death. Yeah, and uh, thanks very much for having me on here. It's good to be back on a podcast here with Italian Football Daily. For Davide Astori, uh, yes, terrible news. Very tragic uh, at such a young age. I had uh, been following him for a while since earlier in the decade, back in 2010, 2011, when he was an up-and-coming prospect. Touted as potentially a national team starter. Never really developed into um, a star name, but he did have some caps. He he was a solid all-around good player uh, for Cagliari and Fiorentina. But again, a very tragic moment, and it's been it's been a tough year for uh, for Italian football, uh, 2017-18. Overall, um, he will be missed. Uh, you could tell during the European fixtures, uh, Juventus teammates Marco Verratti, even on PSG, were were very moved by those moments of silence. Uh, a close friend of theirs, uh, an overall great person uh, in the community as well, and a, and a professional uh, and a captain in every sense of the word. I got goosebumps seeing uh, images from the funeral today with uh, the Fiorentina fans with their scarves and and the uh, purple mist. Uh, that just gave me chills just watching that. And it was great to see some of the big figures of Italian football coming in, and including the Juventus team who had played the Champions League match yesterday c- coming into Florence for the funeral and being applauded by the Fiorentina fans who uh, we all know they don't have a good uh, relationship with Juventus. Uh, it's one of their fiercest rivals, but to see that... Uh, I think we can all say, Patrick, that uh, this week uh, we don't. None of us have colors. Uh, we're all standing in solidarity with with uh, Astori, and um, uh, again, condolences to his family and to his young family and to his teammates. 
Um, he touched a lot of people, and uh, he will be missed. Ciao, Davide. I choked up a little bit when I saw that in Florence, the fans with the scarves and the purple mist sang the the Fiorentina anthem, which is the song that the players walk out to. Uh, so obviously, it's been a very emotional week. Uh, the matches were all postponed on that Sunday, which was the right thing to do, no matter what certain agents might say. It was the right thing to do. Everyone, like, one thing that this really shows, um, even in the most tragic of circumstances, is that the community comes together. You mentioned Juventus uh, attending the funeral and Fiorentina fans applauding. You know, it's it's been really good to see in a moment, in a week like this, everyone kind of come together. And like you said, we don't have colors. We're all fans of Italian football. We're all human beings and we all uh, will miss Davide Astori. So again, we all send our condolences to fans, players, family, friends of his, everyone. Um, and I can confidently say that from the Italian football daily staff who are not on the podcast with us uh, right now. Rewind a day to Saturday you had two big, big matches. Lazio hosted Juve, and Napoli hosted Roma. Obviously, these are the top four teams all in one weekend beating up on each other. Inter and Milan were going to play on Sunday. That was postponed, and the time is to be determined. We're still waiting to see when that will be rescheduled. But Juventus, Lazio at the Olimpico... Uh, very tactical, a very cagey affair until Paulo Dybala announces his return to the world by uh, winning the match for Juventus in the 93rd minute uh, because that is what class players do for class teams is they make a difference and Juve grab all three points at the Olympico against a high-flying, high-scoring Lazio team, bring home all three points. They're just sitting one point behind Napoli with a game in hand. So what a performance by Juve over the weekend. Yeah, it definitely it was what you can consider a professional win in as professional as you can describe that. Uh, once again, Juve has the incredible knack of being able to turn on a different gear and somehow pull a win out of thin air and just score in a clutch moment. For those that are into statistics, uh, the analytical side of the game, you would know that Lazio dominated Juve in the game. Uh, Juve had tons of missed passes, very sluggish play. Uh, they lined up in a very defensive unit. They're dealing with uh, four injuries right now. Uh, so they lined up in a defensive formation with Dybala, really the, the lone striker with, uh, bizarrely, Alexandro playing kind of a free roll up front, which he's not used to. It's clear that Allegri had one eye on on the Tottenham fixture uh, in the Champions League, uh, so he was playing it a bit safe. And if you see some of the videos of Lazio fans who were uh, going crazy, they had thought they would already win. There was also a video of uh, the Stadio San Paolo minutes before their match against Roma where they were celebrating a, a nil-nil draw, and then in the 93rd minute at the death, Paolo Dybala with a class nutmeg, and be, basically being hauled down, throw, almost thrown down by Marco Parolo, he somehow chips it on a, on a great finish into the top corner to win the game at the last second. It's just one of those wins where if you're a fan who 
who isn't a Juventus fan, and that's basically half of Italy, you're thinking, man, how can these guys be stopped? Because, you know, they played terrible. And I'm a, I'm a Juventus fan watching them. Like, they, I, I do not like the way they play, but they somehow keep getting wins. And you got to ask yourself, like, if these guys play like this and they're still winning, what chance do we have? Because they, they seem to be somehow just good teams do it, but they, they seem to be doing it more often than than not in a very unesthetic uh, fashion. And we'll get to the Champions League match in just a moment, but I, I can't tell you enough how this win for Juve changes the complexion of the whole season. With a game in hand, now Juve one point behind Napoli after their loss. If they had finished 0-0, that would have been a huge blow to Juve, or it would have made it a lot harder for them. But now the pressure is squarely on Napoli, who um, in a shock, kind of a bit of a shock, they they played well. Again, statistics would tell you that uh, Napoli dominated Roma with all these shots, uh, all the possession, uh, winning duels. But Roma still outclassed them and and outscored them pretty significantly in the end so for Napoli uh, terrible uh, blow to their chances now uh, in the Scudetto now they've got to wait on Juve to make up that game against Atalanta but very surprising and a good win for Roma too to get their confidence up for for the their upcoming fixtures but Patrick what do you think of of Napoli's performance the game against Napoli Roma lots of goals in that one well I I just think it is the worst possible weekend that could have occurred for Napoli because like you said, minutes before they kicked off, everyone thought it was going to end nil-nil. And uh, I, I believe someone from Napoli actually mentioned the fact that Napoli have been playing after Juventus. So Juve go in and do their job, and then Napoli has the pressure of knowing that result. I am in the camp of Napoli have been the ones under pressure this entire year. To Juventus, they're doing what great teams do which is, like you said, grind out results no matter what, and then you you know, move to the next one. That's what Juventus have been doing for the past six years. And I wouldn't say that Juventus have been dominant this season, but they've been doing what Juventus do, whereas Napoli are that team, you know, the, the David to the Goliath kind of thing. They can be the ones to finally knock off Juve. They can do it. They can do it. They've been under pressure all year. They, The pressure was on them this weekend, especially since Dybala decided to break half of Italy's heart and actually score and give Juve the win. From there, it was, it was just not, not great for Napoli. Insigne puts them up 1-0, and then it was all Roma. Uh, Under, one of the bright young talents in Italy, levels the game just a minute later. Dzeko grabs a brace. Perotti puts the icing on the cake, and then Mertens gets one back in added time. This was a disaster. It was just a disaster for Napoli. It's a great win for Roma. They needed that confidence uh, coming off that defeat to Milan. They needed a boost, and... What better to give you a boost than a win over one of the two best teams in Italy and what some consider to be one of the best or at least one of the most potent teams in Europe and just to dismantle them the way they did. And like you said, statistically, Napoli played better. 
but they didn't capitalize on their chances, and Roma burned them when they got the chance. And that is what happened. Roma just outclassed and outpowered Napoli. You know, they, they put their foot down, and they dropped four on one of the best teams in Italy. So this is not a professional win on Roma's part. This is a statement win that they needed. They needed a win like this to boost their confidence, to help their standings. It helps that their city rivals Lazio lost. And so Roma take the three points while Lazio do not. But as a Milan fan, I, I told one of my friends, you know, I'm, I'm really not going to be happy if Roma just gave the title to Juventus. What a performance by the Galliorossi and really a much deserved win. Yeah, and clinical finishing. Again, they didn't have too many shots in that game, but just very clinical in their goals. Jekko getting off the schneid with a couple goals. His second goal, a beautiful shot. He just ran at the defense. It's unusual for him with a left-footed shot. Curler, uh, one of the goals of the weekend. And good for him to see him in there. Uh, Under, just keeps scoring. Uh, young Phenom. And uh, it was good for them. This makes the race for fourth place even more competitive with Lazio dropping points again. They've had a really rough month. And that extended into the Europa League, which we'll get on a little later on in the show. Um, but this makes things very interesting, not only in the top two, but also in those uh, in that battle for the third and fourth spot uh, for the Champions League. Moving on to the Champions League, Juventus doing what, some didn't think they could do, but we all really had the feeling that they could, which was beat Tottenham at Wembley Stadium, overcome the away goals, put in a class performance, and advance into the Champions League quarter finals. And of course, if I told you two gentlemen scored for Juventus, and I told you to guess, you would probably say something along the lines of Higuain and Dybala, which is exactly what happened. Tottenham got themselves 1-0 up uh, with a goal from Hyungmin Son. Admittedly, a much-deserved goal. Tottenham played really, really well for 60 minutes. And then they got complacent, and then they decided not to mark Gonzalo Higuain. And then Juventus leveled the match, and they were still down on away goals. And then Juventus, just two short minutes later, Dybala shows his class yet again, puts it in in the 67th minute. That's 4-3 Juve on aggregate. And then Tottenham just couldn't get it done. Allegri made the changes that were necessary. Allegri got the team in the position to show their class and show what they could do again and prove everyone wrong. And I mean, I thought that Juventus would win or get a result in Turin. And then I thought that Spurs were going to advance. And uh, yeah, I was wrong. Um, and so were a great many people who were parading around that perhaps the EPL will have five teams in the Champions League quarterfinals, and that is no longer the case because people forget, uh, and sometimes I mean we forget, how good Juventus is and can be, and they showed it again on the road at Wembley in front of 84,000 people. 
and now they're in the quarterfinals. One of the hardest things to do, uh, and uh, as many know, Wembley is uh, one of the top premier venues in, in all of entertainment in the world, not just of, of football, but to go there uh, in a crowd that of 84,000, uh, very hostile crowd, having drawn at home, being under pressure and having that disadvantage, uh, a huge amount of pressure that only few teams uh, could deal with in the world. And uh, this isn't just a, uh, now it might be Tottenham, but they're no uh, no slouches. They This is the same Tottenham that is probably playing the best football in the Premier League besides Manchester City. The same Tottenham that outclassed Dortmund in two games earlier this season and beat Real Madrid uh, quite convincingly at Wembley as well and uh, tied them at the Bernabeu, I believe. This is no slouch. This is a, a very good side, very attacking side. Uh, Max Allegri, he gets a lot of heat from from Juventus fans and the media. His decisions are very much criticized every game. Uh, and he's been derided by fans, by many fans, who are either uh, amongst us Juventus fans, you're either for him or against him. But for a guy who is always getting ridiculed and criticized as a terrible coach, he's won an awful lot for the in this uh, for this club. And his substitutions were key, very key substitutions in the second half. Uh, a very bizarre move, in my opinion, to start Barzali, uh, the 36, 37-year-old uh, at right back uh, when Hyungmin Son was terrorizing that left flank. And Tottenham, in my opinion, in this tie, were the better team overall in terms of uh, of the way they were playing. First half, dominant by them, uh, getting the home crowd behind them and really outpacing Juve, outworking them. And it could have been more than just 2-0. They were really in trouble. And, and I was watching them and I thought, man, this is it. There's no way. We're done. We're finished. Going down 1-0, they'd have to score two goals. It's uh, it would it would be, it would be even an even tougher task than it already was to even get a result there at Wembley and uh, and then all of a sudden in a matter of minutes Allegri two key substitutions one Barzali out Licksteiner in giving them width changing that uh, formation a little bit giving them that more width definitely caught Tottenham off guard they didn't really adjust to that uh, gave them more options and it, it showed they couldn't really uh, handle that and the second uh, substitution was Matuidi who was just coming back from an injury he didn't look fit in this game he didn't have a good game he's still getting back up to speed uh, putting in Asamoah a very versatile player who's been a very versatile player in these six years of, of Juventus dominance domestically uh, a good soldier for both Antonio Conte and Allegri come, he could come in and play any role that you ask of him uh, definitely was a spark in the midfield first goal Lick Steiner with the cross intelligent flick by Kadira and uh, El Pepita Higuain is in there clinical clinical striker he's been on fire in the in 2018 so far it's him again uh, and the more people criticize him he was even though he did get those two goals in the first leg he was criticized for missing the penalty and that uh, breakaway two-on-one chance but the more you criticize him in the press the better he plays and uh, another clutch goal to tie the game and then minutes later while Tottenham were still sh- uh, shell-shocked Higuain again Tottenham thinking they're going to go wide they put too many guys up in uh, on the left and right flanks and then they burn them right down the middle Higuain great hold-up play and what a pass what a key pass right to Dybala those guys have a great connection no way does Jorge Sampaoli not call up both of them for Argentina in the World Cup because they've got such great chemistry and Higuain finds Dybala who, after a great uh, clutch goal against Lazio, right at the death, gets another huge 
uh, clutch goal with a great finish to make it 2-1. And after that, Giorgio Chiellini, King Kong, they call him, uh, is his nickname. Wow, what a game. It was vintage Chiellini. He was everywhere, blocking shots, getting in the way. He had Harry Kane in his back pocket in those last uh, 25 minutes or so. Great performance, standout. Buffon, uh, shaky. That, that would be the only question mark, in my opinion. Uh, he's not as sharp as he used to be. Even his positioning, his speed, obviously at 40 years old, isn't going to be what it was. But his positioning has been questionable these last two games against Tottenham. But I don't think there is a team in the world that is more resilient than that group, uh, uh, Max Allegri's Juventus, because they just find a way to win somehow. Uh, and all it took was three minutes, and they turned around the whole tie. And once you get a lead with that, with only 20, 25 minutes left, uh, it, I mean, it's it's a one of the toughest tasks in world football to break them down uh, to get another goal. When, they're, when they've got their backs against the wall, they seem to rise to the occasion. And again, they were in such a desperate spot, down 1-0, 4-5 yellow cards. Uh, at that point, we had all thought it was all but over, but then they just turned it around so quickly. And that has to worry a lot of teams in Europe, uh, maybe not so much on, on paper because they may not be as strong as some of the bigger sides like Real Madrid, Barca, uh, Bar- Bayern Munich. But boy, they w- they are going to be a tough, uh, they're going to be a lot to handle for whoever gets them next in the quarterfinals. But it was a great victory for them. And, um, you know, uh, our motto, fino alla fine, until the end, they play until the end. And that's why they've had so much success uh, in this decade. I doubt any team in Europe would want to draw Juventus in the quarterfinals. Now, uh, Juventus join Manchester City, Real Madrid, and Liverpool in the quarterfinals. The last four are to be set next week. Uh, That includes Roma, uh, the other winners over the weekend, conveniently, who bring the tie back to the Olympico. They're down 2-1 on aggregate because Shakhtar... Shakhtar is sneaky good. Uh, They're not going to blow you away. But I believe Pep Guardiola at one point said that Shakhtar is one of the hardest teams to play and it's one of the hardest places to go as well and sure enough that's exactly what they did to Roma they put two goals on them Roma got an away goal which is good Uh, they bring it back to the Olympico again 2-1 they will attempt to book their tickets to the quarterfinals in terms of Juventus I mean you said it the resiliency is incredible Chiellini played out of his mind uh Buffon you're right he's not dominant the way he has been in the past he's not like explosive good but he's he's what you expect he's 40 right but he's still playing really well um you know shaky but he's playing well and then you know Dybala has proved once again that he's class Pita Higuain seemingly scores at will someone summed it up by saying it was three minutes of just straight up naive play from Tottenham and that cost them the that cost them the tie now Juventus quite frankly should have had it sewn up in a half in Turin a credit to Tottenham for getting those two goals back Frankly, 
and then they played far better for 60 minutes, and they should have gotten more out of it. And then Juventus took advantage of just some lazy play. And once once Juventus were up, that was it. To me, that was it. Because with about 25 minutes and Juventus with the lead, it was over, man. When, when Juve went up, I was like, well, that's it. Because now they can lock it down. And that's exactly what they did. You said it. King Kong, uh, Chiellini just absolutely went beast mode on them. And he took a shot at Spurs mentality. He basically said, like, they're fragile mentally, and we knew we could win, and we always believed. Sounds about right. And not a day later does Juventus beat one of the North London clubs, then Milan host the other North London club, Arsenal, at the San Siro in a highly anticipated match in the Europa League round of 16, could have very well been a semi-final, to be honest. And Milan riding a five consecutive clean sheet streak and 13 unbeaten get served an absolute piece of humble pie, like I said in the intro, by an Arsenal who seemingly could not win a game before then. And... I'm going to let you go first cuz I got some stuff to say on this. But I'll let I'll I'll let you go first cuz I have spent my entire day thinking of how just absolutely poorly Milan played in their biggest match of the year so far. And it it was it was shocking. Joe, it was shocking. To paint a picture, they had sold 72,000 seats. It was going to be a packed, hostile crowd uh, at the San Siro. Um, 13 matches undefeated for AC Milan. They just qualified for the Coppa Italia final. Arsenal, uh, I mean, let's be honest. They're the joke of the football world, and they've had a really tough month, couple weeks, uh, with a Wenger out nonsense again, and the club in turmoil, and they don't know where they're going. They had them on the ropes. It was just, you know, a coming of age where a story where, you know, uh, the Premier League joke comes in and it's time for, for AC Milan to be back, to, to be back on those European nights. A fixture, a pretty big fixture in the, in terms of magnitude of teams kind of resolved, um, kind of made it seem like it was a, a Champions League night and that they would have all these great memories with Gattuso, who's won it all for them. Oh, it's going to be a great night for them. And then they just really uh, just played their probably their poorest game, uh, maybe not of a season, but in a long time. Um, when I was watching them, I, I have to say it was, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it looked like men versus boys. Uh, they just didn't know what they were doing. They were making very simple mistakes. They seemed hesitant, frightened, uh, intimidated by the occasion and surprising with Gattuso's kind of mentality that he's instilled in them. But just the simple, uh, just the basics, uh, passes being missed, uncharacteristically poor performances from Suzo and Bonaventura who could not hit the ball properly. They were just blasting it uh, and it was going every which way. Chalanaglu slipping on free kicks, not not being able to make a pass. Donnarumma was the only sharp guy uh, on the on the pitch for uh, for the for AC Milan. Uh, Bonucci uh, didn't play too bad, but again, for some reason, every time there's a deflected goal, whether it's it was on Juventus, whether it was 
the national team like it was uh, against Sweden in, in the first leg in that uh, playoff. And now here again, it always hits, seems to hit him and go in the net for some unknown reason. It's always him. But yeah, their midfield just got dominated by Arsenal, who looked like uh, they were looking like Manchester City. They were playing the perfect game. You never would have known they were, they were in turmoil. They played uh, such a, a good game. They were solid. Uh, and, and Milan just were naive and uh, just overall disappointing. I can't believe they they just couldn't. They looked like they were not in, uh, were not ready for this occasion, and I mean they had not played against Inter Milan on the weekend because of the uh, the postponement of that match, so they would have been fresh. I just I don't know what to say. It was just poor, and I hope they can turn it around uh, like a Juventus uh, over and when they return go back to London. But um, it's just disappointing uh, for them. They 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 were outclassed, uh, out outplayed, and uh, they could have done a lot better. Uh, a hell of a lot better. There is so much that I, as an AC Milan fan, can say about this. Number one, I absolutely hope that they can wake up and in a week's time go to the Emirates and drop three on them and walk out of there the better team for it. But uh, Keith Costigan asked Alexi Lalas on the broadcast, do you see anything from AC Milan that shows that they could pull it back at the Emirates? And Alexi goes, no. And that was it. He said, nope, Arsenal are just the superior team. And without going into the whole Wenger out thing and, you know, Ozil didn't look too happy when he got taken out and... Granite Xhaka appeared to basically tell Wenger to F off, but we don't know who he was saying it to. You know, without going into any of that Arsenal drama that happens every single year. I mean, my God, man. Milan sucked today. They just stunk. I mean, for God's sake, they couldn't complete a pass. The lineup was what it has been for weeks. You know, Donnarumma, the the center-back pairing, uh, Calabria, because he's in form, Rodriguez, Bilia, Bonaventura, Kessier, and then Chalinoglu, Suso, and Cutrone. And well, let me tell you something right now. I think you're spot on with Donnarumma being one of the only sharp ones. Neither of the goals were his fault. Uh, the Mkhitaryan goal was a deflection. The Ramsey goal was one-on-one. -on -one. There was nothing that Donnarumma could have done, uh, especially because it was inside the box and he was completely free because apparently our defense was asleep. Romagnoli and Benucci were very, very meh. Both the goals can be... They are not exclusively Romagnoli-Benucci mistakes, but could have been prevented. Uh, that's one of the problems, is both of those goals were absolutely preventable. Uh, Rodriguez was fine-ish, maybe. Calabria got burned on every single play. Bilia, invisible. Bonaventura, poor. Kessier, fine, except when he was trying to pass the ball, which just made him poor. Uh, Cutrone got nothing to work with. He, I think, was doing what he could. But he couldn't do anything because he never got the ball. Chalanoglu, bad. Suso, poor. 
uh, and then Kalinic came on, and I knew the game was over when Kalinic got into the game because he's terrible. Uh, Silva had actually one of the better plays of the game. He uh, found an open pass to Kalinic, who couldn't get to the ball fast enough. Spina fell on it, and uh, Barini also entered for Calabria, and he was fine, but he couldn't do anything. We sucked. Uh, Milan just were absolutely terrible. Midfield got bossed around. Arsenal, like you said, were playing like Manchester City, Barcelona out there. With the passes, the drawing in, the releasing, just everything was on point for Arsenal. The flanks of Milan burned every single counterattack. Every single time Arsenal got the ball on a counter and Milan had to defend. I tweeted this during the match. Every time Milan has to defend on a counterattack, I'm getting a heart attack because Arsenal created scoring chances every single time. And except for maybe the five first minutes where Milan went right at him, I don't know why that wasn't the case the whole time. I don't know what changed. They, aside from those five minutes, they got absolutely bodied out there. Uh, it looked like men against boys. Uh, this was a v- super bad look for the team who was in such good form. Uh, Milan looked like hot garbage. It looked like Gattuso got it all wrong. I don't think it was Gattuso's fault. You could see it in his face. He looked like his head was going to explode. It, well, it, it, I just don't think it was his fault. Uh, his team just got outclassed, and his players were making simple mistakes that couldn't have possibly been him. Uh, it's I put it on the players more than I do Reno Gattuso. They looked nervous. They looked overcome by the occasion. Uh, the fact that a Premier League club uh, was standing in front of them, they choked it. They 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 were bad. They were just so bad, and I feel bad for the... 80,000 or 75,000 people who went to that game and had to witness Milan stink it up for 95 minutes. The Ramsey goal was a joke. Uh, The Mkhitaryan goal was absolutely preventable, but that was the story of them on the counter, is they would get into the box and they just got straight up exposed. I hope that Gattuso can get the players that he hasn't murdered after this match and he can get them into shape and get them ready to go and you know all right we really have to whoop some tail in this second leg to even have a chance of getting through i had high hopes for this match uh my prediction was 2-0 milan uh maybe i was overconfident i'll admit that but they were in form arsenal weren't Gattuso had the team clicking, and now it has all fallen apart on them. I don't want to overreact and say that this team sucks. I'm not going to overreact and say that Gattuso should be out. The season is not over. You know, they still have a match to go in the Europa League. Uh, they still have plenty of time in Serie A. The season isn't over. The club isn't ending. You know, like, let's pump the brakes. It's not all doom and gloom. They just had a piss poor day. They just had a piss poor performance. That I mean, that's the end of it, really. They they couldn't do anything right. Couldn't place a pass. Couldn't place a shot. Uh, Suso's shot that curved so horrifically to the left that it was a throw-in. That was basically the story of the day. 
nothing, they got nothing right. Um, I think it's the players more than Gattuso. Credit to Arsenal, they were the better team. They played like it. And, you know, season isn't over. It was one bad day. It was probably their worst performance, at least of 2018. And now for them, it's win on the weekend against Genoa. Go to the Emirates on Thursday. Try and do better. And if they don't, they got beat by a superior team. I mean, that's otherwise, I don't know what to tell you. Just infinitely frustrating and frustrated by the shambolic performance. I expected more. Um, I wanted more. And yeah, I, I got filleted on the show I helped produce at SiriusXM, just like Milan did against Arsenal. So hopefully they can do better. Hopefully they can bounce back. I still have faith in the team. I still have faith in Gattuso. But I'm convinced that he has probably punched a hole through like seven of these players. And if he hasn't, you know, if he hasn't murdered any of them, uh, we'll see them back in action against Genoa. Um, Speaking of the weekend, there are a couple things going on over the weekend. The biggest match is Inter hosting Napoli. Uh, I'll just rattle through a couple of them. Roma-Torino, the Verona derby, Fiorentina-Benevento, Juventus-Udinese, Bologna-Atalanta, Crotone-Samp, Cagliari, Lazio, Sassuolo-Spal, Genoa-Milan, Inter-Napoli, and then Juve-Atalanta will be Wednesday the 14th. So that is one of those makeup days because Juventus are not playing in the Champions League on that day, so they will make up that game. Then, big one, Inter-Napoli. Uh, both teams in desperate need of some points. Napoli, of course, just one point over Juve. Juve with a game in hand. And Napoli need all the wins they can to try and stay atop of Serie A. Inter, meanwhile, one point back of Lazio in fourth. Uh, They need points. Uh, So I believe if they do not make Champions League, I think Spalletti is gone. Uh, And if they don't make Champions League, I think Icardi is gone. They need a win. Napoli needs a win. What do you see for this match, Joe? Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, uh, it's a must-win for both. uh, And a tie would do... uh a detriment to both uh it would be an enormous blow maybe the death blow for napoli if they don't win uh so i think it's a bigger uh loss if not if uh napoli doesn't win this match because uh inter is so close with lazio for that fourth place but yeah um there's so much going on at inter milan right now uh their financial the ownership situation is uh is just no one knows what's going on there, uh, and uh, their on-field performance uh, is has been poor. I think Spalletti's lost the room. We don't know exactly what's going on in there, but uh, again, this is a huge match, uh, very important uh, uh, for Napoli. I think I think they've got this one. I think they'll bounce back from that loss against Roma, uh, just because they've been very consistent this year, and I think that they they. They have more than enough talent and uh, cohesion to, to get through this match. Uh, Inter, it would surprise me if they get a result here, honestly. Uh, they are under so much pressure. Uh, can they stick together? Can they kind of um, 
surprise themselves and their fans. I mean, Andanovic threw his team under the bus earlier this week, say, calling out his team. That could be a spark. He's one of the leaders of the team, uh, has been around for a while. He's arguably their most consistent player, one of the best keepers in Italy, and he's called them out, trying to will them to win, and uh, that could help them. But uh, Mauri Cardi has to score for them. They've got to play a perfect game, and they've got to just play as a team, which they haven't. And Napoli has. Uh, they've got that extreme, extremely good chemistry going. So uh, there will be a lot of eyes to watch on this one because this affects not only the battle for the Champions League, uh, but also for uh, the Scudetto race. And I just want to uh, point out that uh, we'll have to keep an eye on Lazio in, in their fixture as well. Uh, Lazio, we, we did forget to mention uh, their match against uh, Dinamo Kiev. Uh, I'll briefly just go in and recap. It was a back-and-forth game. They didn't play too bad, but uh, playing at home, they really should have come away with with that win against Dinamo Kiev. Again, it was a 2-2 draw. Chiro Immobile scoring again. He's He just keeps scoring goals which is a good sign. Felipe Anderson is also having a great month. He's found the his, his form again uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks. So good to see that. But again, uh, they conceded two goals. And for some reason, for some bizarre reason, Dinamo Kiev and the Ukrainian teams play really well against the Serie A teams. Dinamo Kiev, of course, knocked out Napoli in 2015 in the semifinal. And Shakhtar beat Roma in their last game. Uh, so it's all to play for in Ukraine, but it's going to be tough to go there uh, and try to get a result. Hopefully Lazio can do it for Serie A, but uh, they really should have should have at least gotten another goal. It's just sad to see the Italian teams, I think, and uh, I mean, we could go into to this in depth, but I think the, the overall weakness for the Italian teams in Europe, I'll just briefly point out, is the speed of the game. For some reason, all these teams seem to be out running the Italian teams. They do, the pace of Serie A is not fast enough, not as fast as the other leagues. Uh, Juve, extremely slow, but their experience carried them over Tottenham. But that could pose a problem for the Italian teams if they advance further on. But back to Serie A, yeah, Internopoli, we'll see that. Lazio, will see what they can do in that tight race. Roma, can they keep the pace? And uh, for Juve, should be a comfortable win against Udinese. Uh, at home, I unless it's a shock, uh, they should win and then get ready for that quick turnaround for that midweek match against Atalanta, which could be a, a deal breaker for the Scudetto race. Uh, but overall, it's not going to be as exciting as it was last week. But uh, still, every match at this point, we're we're approaching mid February or uh, mid March rather. We are uh, in the stretch run right now, and every game matters. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Napoli will handle business against Inter. I think Napoli's offensive quality will absolutely expose Inter's back line. Pandanovic aside, I know he's great, uh, one of the best keepers in Italy, but I don't think Inter will be able to keep up with Napoli. I think they get the three points easily. Inter will need multiple goals from Icardi and Perisic if they want to win. And I don't think that they will be able to get that. And I don't think in any case that they'll be able to outscore Napoli. I think Napoli is going to hand them a loss at the San Siro. And I think Napoli then moves on and hopes that Atalanta can get a draw with Juventus in midweek. Honestly, because I see Roma beating Torino. I see Lazio beating Cagliari. I see Napoli beating Inter, and I see uh, Juve beating Udinese 
Uh, so everyone just moves up three points, and then Napoli becomes Atalanta's biggest fans. A quick note just in regards to what you said about the pace. Um, I think that's really interesting, and I think uh, we don't have time to talk about it in super depth, but I would say that in other leagues like the Premier League, uh, there's a big emphasis more so on the physicality and speed. Uh, Manchester City has been a counterattacking team uh, for years, and then they got Pep Guardiola, and now not only can they burn you with their quality, but they're also tactical about it. Uh, Italy is a very tactical league. They really sit back and kind of try and break you down, and they try and get their system to work to its best capabilities. And it's it's more like chess in Italy, whereas Liverpool, for example, is heavy metal uh, balls to the wall forward, which is why they give up so many goals or did give up so many goals. Uh, same case with Manchester City. Uh, that's just my take on it. Uh, definitely an interesting topic that we should dive into. I think we're going to have to save that one for a later podcast and see what happens in a couple of these other European matchups. Last thing uh, before we break, and again, thank you for listening to the Italian Football Daily Podcast. Just real quick, some Twitter handles, at Stoll underscore P, at Joe Antonio C, at Italian FD, and you can catch all of our work on ItalianFootballDaily.com. Roma, Shakhtar Donetsk, what do you think is going to happen? Score prediction, maybe. I think Roma get out of it. I think Roma advance. Uh, I hope Roma advance, because if you say who are the best eight teams in the world, not that I would necessarily include Roma in that, but I certainly wouldn't include Shakhtar. I hope they get out of it. I think they do. I'm, I'm going to go with 2-0 Roma at home. Do you think that we get two Italian teams in the quarterfinals? I certainly hope so. Uh, there's a couple things. Roma's playing at home, and they uh, the win against Napoli, I think, is going to galvanize them and move them forward uh, uh, in, in more of an intense pace. I think they're going to bring more intensity with that home crowd behind them. But I'm going to go ahead and say that Shakhtar will sneak in a goal and it will be 2-1. And then they will go to penalties. And I think uh, for the first time in a long time, we're going to see penalties in the Champions League. Knockout stages. Roma will win on penalties. Uh, it'll be 2-1. Uh, and Roma will advance on penalties. That's my prediction. All right. Well, you're giving some uh, some Romanisti some heart attacks there, Joe. Um, otherwise, next week, Roma, Shakhtar... Uh, Juventus Atlanta and then Lazio and Milan go on the road uh, Lazio to Dynamo Kiev and Milan to London for Arsenal uh, real quick do you think either of these teams make it out I I don't I think we might be hosed I think Italian teams might be hosed in the Europa League going to Ukraine is pretty hard Milan have Arsenal um, I would hope that Lazio can get the job done, but they did give up two away goals. I am very afraid that the Italian teams will be out of the Europa League uh, in the round of 16. Uh, just I think I think that Lazio will be able to sneak in. Uh, I mean, I know uh, Inzaghi he wants he takes his tournament seriously. Um, which is a first mm-hmm. for for Italian uh, clubs, 
hint, hint, Maurizio Sarri, but I think they're going to win. I think they're going to sneak out a win. Uh, I think Milinkovic Savic is going to have a big influence in that game, and Immobile, he's on fire, and I think he'll he'll get just enough. I think they'll win a tight game there. But as for Milan, I don't expect them to win. Unfortunately, it's too big of a task. Although Ostersund's, the, the Swedish team, did score a couple of goals at the Emirates, Milan would have to play the perfect game. Everyone would have to be on fire, and Nikola Kalinic uh, should not see the pitch, and then maybe they have a chance. Well, Nikola Kalinic should never see the pitch anyway. Um, I'll just I'll just say that right now. He should never see the pitch again. Uh, I have been done with that man since um, September. So I, I think, you know, I want to believe in Lazio because they do take it seriously. I think you might be on to something there. Um, I'm just afraid that going to Ukraine might be hard. Milan, I have no confidence that they can beat Arsenal in London. I mean, maybe they can win, but I don't think they're getting out of the tie, uh, which is unfortunate, but I think it's a growing moment for Gattuso and his men. Uh, they are young, uh, most of them, so you know we'll see. I think they're in the right direction. It just was a crap game. On that note, Thank you for listening to the Italian Football Daily Podcast. Again, at Stoll underscore P, at Joe Antonio C, and at Italian FD. Joe, thank you for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Patrick, for having me here. And again, uh, thank you to all of our listeners and to all our readers on Italian FD. Ciao for now. Thanks again for listening. For Joe, for the Italian Football Daily staff, I'm Patrick. We'll see you next time.